Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Well, you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Poor Bat. You gonna eat that? What, that? No. Yes. No. Well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 201 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? It's going all right, Steve. I'm really looking forward to our musical guest tonight. Holy shit, did you hear that opening tune? I did. I did. It it was Run, Baby, Run by Southern Culture on the Skids from their album At Home, released in 2021. And that is what I had to do because I nearly killed myself with a blast of fire. Fire, you say? Fire. 
That's right. Steve, before this podcast, I nearly killed myself in a fiery explosion of doom because I fixed a pilot light. A pilot light on what? I fixed a pilot light on a heater for a hot tub. And before I replaced said fixed pilot light, I checked it. I wanted to make sure it was going to go kick, 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 a little spark happens. So I turned it on and I saw a little kick, 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 spark. But the pilot light wasn't stuck in the furnace itself. So the gas just rolled out. It built up oh, and no. accumulated this invisible, highly flammable gas. And I just sat there going, oh, cool, pilot lights fixed. Boom! <laughs> just a wall of fire rolls out. There's just nothing afterwards but the smell of fear and maybe a little bit of pee. Oh, my God. Dumb. This was almost just the bonehand show. How, how close were you to the heater when it went off? close enough that I could stand there and look down at the pilot light. So, yeah, it, it hit me. Fire yeah. hit me in the legs. Thank goodness I'm wearing jeans because oh, it's the wintertime. Wintertime in California. Yeah, I don't actually, yeah, yeah fix you would, things you would have been, naked. Uh, you would have had the smell of burning leg hair if uh, you had done that in June. Yeah, well, and with the drought and all, probably would have had the smell of burning neighborhood as well. <laughs> yeah. So, follow me for more tips on how to uh, fix things. Because Shot you won't learn shit. <laughs> Standing in flames. Shot down in flames. Ain't it a shame? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, he was rendered lame. Crazy. All right. God. Can we do this show already? Let's do this show. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you're uh, no longer burning. Yeah, me too. Here on the show that we're checking out some Southern culture on the skids. Once again... Run Baby Run was our opening tune, and uh, what's more, Rick and Mary from Southern Culture on the Skids are joining us for a chat in a little bit, so stay tuned for that. But before that happens, one other thing we should probably talk about, Gord, is the 2022 Bonebat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival, which will be taking place on May 7th. 2022 at SIF Cinema Uptown in Seattle. You That's know, right, uh, Rabbit. Our poster art is now live from the pen of Darren Marinuk. You can see it uh, on face our Facebook page for the Bone Bat Film Festival uh, the, at BoneBat.com. It's over there. Check out the amazing work that Darren did for us. It's super cool. Uh, a different vibe than we've had before. I think it uh, looks pretty punk rock, and I kind of dig it, man. Yeah, it's very punk rock. It's, it's pretty cool. So uh, tickets are actually on sale now. So uh, ticket for Bone Bat, uh, all-day experience from 2 p.m. to midnight. I'll set you back $40 American. And uh, you can get those now via the link at the Bone Bat page. Uh, tickets, uh, we'll mail them to you if you would like us to do that, uh, or we can hold them for you at will call. So just let us know what you want to do uh, we'll be probably going to print on our posters and t-shirts getting those out in the world we're waiting to hear back at the moment from a couple of sponsors to confirm their logos for our poster once that is done we'll be getting the goods into your hot little hands so it's not too late to sponsor us if you want to do such a thing oh, because a we have room point. on that poster for you that's a very good point thank you we, for bringing we'll put up. you on the screen we'll we'll put you in front of the audience 
Uh, one other thing we should mention to filmmakers is that uh, submissions are still open through March 1st. So uh, you've got a few more weeks to get your film in before the deadline. So uh, submit now to the Comedy of Horrors. Submit to us. Your film may be seen on the big screen here in Seattle. So, dude. Stay. We should probably do what we normally do about this time. Eat dinner? What pisses you off, man? Steep. You know what pisses me off? What's that, sir? Bad barbecue. You know I like the barbecue. And and Steve, we respect your barbecue. (laughs) Your barbecue. But you respect it. No, I do. I love your barbecue. (laughs) I think we've discussed this on the show where I once took my lovely wife up to your house. You made barbecue for me. And it was better than my barbecue. I got barbecue cucked by you in your backyard. And I'm okay with that that because, frankly, it was better barbecue than than mine. But I went to a barbecue restaurant and spent good American dollars on barbecue. And it was kind of shitty. Really? Yeah. Was it, like, not cooked long enough so there was still too much fat in it? Or the sauce was bad. Like, what was the both main, ends of the spectrum uh, reason for your discontent? I had brisket, which was sliced thin and dry, dry mm. as sand. Just not good. Just it was closer. Yeah, probably. But you know, if it's not going to be good, if it's going to be bad food, your restaurant shouldn't serve it. Also got <laughs> good point. A bris- a brisket chili. Which okay. tasted much like a bowl of salt. Just, really? Wow. Just awful. My lovely wife, she got burnt ends, which were apparently just balls of fat in some sort of sugar sauce. It was fucking a bad barbecue. How, I've never how, had You'd have bad. to work hard to do that on burnt ends because that's the outer section of the smoke ring. That's the thing that should render the longest and first. That's how it gets burnt. I, I don't think I've... That's a neat trick. I don't think I've ever had fat in the middle of a burnt end. It's scientifically, it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense barbecue-wise. Yeah, no. It it And it's just not one of those... Maybe you think, well, I've had better barbecue someplace else. But no, this was an actual shitty bad barbecue. <sighs> not since... I've been in an institution where they serve, quote, barbecued beef. Have I had bad barbecue? You know you know where you can get some bad barbecue? <laughs> yes, I do. London, England. We went Holy to a barbecue shit. place when we were in London. It was like, you know, we'd been there for business for like a week. We're sort of missing home a little bit. We've, we've been doing the town right. But, uh, you know, just wanted a little taste of home. Hey, you know what? They're a couple blocks away from the hotel. There's a barbecue place. And we go in there, and that was the worst barbecue I've ever had. It was like just steak with ketchup on it. <laughs> and he was like, in what world does this even resemble barbecue? Maybe it was pre-internet. You couldn't get good recipes. I don't know. But, uh, man, that was, that was not good barbecue. Oof. I went to an American restaurant in... Another country. Was I in New Zealand? Maybe I was in Mexico? I can't remember, but it was supposed to be, and I'm throwing quotes around it, American. And it was crossed between like a 1950s sock hop and 
a John Wayne movie and the food was sort of like, it's a hamburger or maybe it's pizza. It was just the most <laughs> like, oh man, you, you hit all the right notes, but no, no, I'm sorry. This is, this is delightful, but it's not good. Yeah. I wonder if that's like the, the American version of Outback Steakhouse. If Australians go there and they're just like, fuck this place. So <laughs> I don't think the Bloomin' Onion is a real thing, Steve. <laughs> no, but it's like, are, are they offended by it or is the food, you know, because like the, the barbecue place in London, the food wasn't very good. And yet they had all the decor on the walls. Like they, you know, they, they bought lots of American posters and things. Little wagon wheels and things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We should, if we've got any Australian listeners, uh, tell us your thoughts on the Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> I would be curious. <laughs> which, which, yeah, I, I would like to know. Like the true opinion. Yeah. There's really no New Zealand version of that. There's no Kiwi food that we try to emulate here. Uh, if we did, it would just be like freaking awesome seafood. You say that, and you're probably painting yourself into a corner of stupid. Somebody's going to go, oh, yeah. well, what about this? What about this chain that has yeah. 95 freaking restaurants in your city alone? You know, sorry. <laughs> Thank you, <sighs> flaming-legged moron. Yeah, you dummy. <laughs> Big dummy. You think we're all sheep and seafood? Well, I've got news for you, sir. <laughs> I will say that one of the best meals I've ever had in my life was in New Zealand. It was it was a seafood platter where I ate roughly four times my weight in seafood. Nice. Oh, yeah. Thought I died and went to went to the watery heaven of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Specifically. <laughs> Specifically. Weird. <laughs> Are we doing a show? What is We're even doing happening? A show, I think, yeah. Freaking Southern culture on the skids. This is the problem. They have a lot of songs, and easily half those songs are about food. That's right. It made us hungry interviewing mm-hmm. them. Absolutely. Put Your Teeth Up on the Windowsill is not about food, but it is a song by them. <laughs> well, thanks for that random <laughs> fact. Even... <laughs> Why don't you make yourself useful and ask me what pisses me off. <laughs> no, Can you fucking segue, please? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you can sit here no. all night waiting for Here's you to the close thing, the Steve. Deal. This is... T- I have had today for food. This morning for breakfast, I had a granola bar. For lunch, I had a cup of yogurt. I haven't had dinner because we're doing this show. You know, dinner the, was one a of your problems, and a ginger maybe, beer. You know, or maybe it's my problem. You and I clearly <laughs> do not have the same relationship with food. <laughs> I'm about. You're I'm punchy. super skinny. You never eat anything. I'm kind of fat, and I eat everything. Yeah, well, like I made a point to come home early so I could make dinner before the show. I don't, I I don't have a fatty hump eat. that I can tap to like do a podcast intelligently. <laughs> I need some sort of sustenance. But, Steve, what pisses you off? You know what pisses me off, dude. <laughs> no. Okay, so this happened to me recently. Uh, as you know, love live music, man. I've missed mm-hmm. it. It's been gone. Shows are starting to come back online. So last year, uh, I bought tickets because the band Ghost was coming to town. You know Ghost? I know Ghost. They're like a pop metal band that do a great big kiss style entertainment lights and fire show. They're fucking fun to watch. Their songs are catchy. I like to check them out. 
And so uh, I, we bought tickets like back in October. We didn't know, maybe even longer ago. Didn't know if it was going to happen. Finally, uh, it turns out, okay, this, this tour is going to happen. So we're going to this concert. So we go and uh, we sit in our seats. It's at the new Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, which used to be Key Arena. So it's it, this is one of your big arena shows, right? It's, it's okay, not can like I stop you for a moment? What yeah. is Climate Pledge? Is that just a different flavor of like Lemon Pledge? You no, know, and- I still don't know. I think it must be somebody who's trying to get people to agree to do nice things for the earth. But that's just an assumption. I have no idea. And right. I didn't care clearly enough to look it up. So yeah. Well, carry on. There you go. Anyway, we come in, and uh, the opening act is a satanic doo-wop band called Twin Temple. And they play, and I love a lot of Vegas in my devil music, and they delivered in <laughs> spades. It was awesome. It was a fun five-song set. It was short, tight. It was a blast. So we're sitting in our seats and the place is filling in. It's not packed. Take a couple of pictures of the band while they're playing like I usually do. I guess I, you know, post like a couple pictures from a concert. Just, hey, you know, these guys were good or whatever. Usually just to sing the praises of live music. So then uh, the second act that was playing is Volbeat, which they're okay. I find them kind of vanilla metal. I'm not a huge fan, but uh, my daughter likes them. And so we're checking them out. And, uh, she is taking a couple of pictures, and this usher comes down while we're watching the show. Usher was there? Yes, yes. He was awesome. amazing. No, the, this guy's seat monitor. I don't know what seat you're monitor. Comes into our row. <laughs> Arena steward. Okay. Comes into our row and says, excuse me, by direction of the band, no photos are allowed for this concert. So please put your phone away. And we're like, well, uh, okay. And then he, he goes down like two rows in front of us. And so, you know, we're watching him dick around. We're not paying attention to the music anymore. And then I wave him down. He comes back. I'm like, so is that just for this band or is this for the whole show? And he's like, no, it's for the whole show. And I'm like, uh, okay. So he, he wanders off. And meanwhile, every other section, there's a million fucking cameras. Everywhere you look, people have their phones out and they're filming shit, taking video, whatever. You can literally at any time see dozens of active cameras in this arena all around you. And so then that ends, and I'm just, I'm kind of annoyed by it. I'm low-key like, what, what the fuck? And so I go on my phone, and like the day before, I had gotten an email from the venue saying, what to expect when you go see Ghost? And so I read through it, and it talks about masking, got that. There's no vaping allowed in the theater, got that. But no mention at all of no photography allowed for this show i go to the ticket site and look up no mention of that i go to the arena site no mention of that anywhere there's no mention about this and so i'm getting more and more fucking annoyed so then ghost comes on and they start and they're playing it's bombastic and huge and cool and he's still at it he's coming down and he's jumping in front of you know, a couple rows away, and it's distracting while you're trying to watch the fucking show. He's telling people to put their phones away. Meanwhile, still everywhere around, a million people are filming shit. And so I, this whole time, it kind of bugged me. So after the show, we're walking out, and Ghost was fucking just off the hook. It was an amazing show. It was totally fun. The song Year Zero, they had like these huge flash pots of flame that you could feel like 30 sections away. 
was just amazing. <laughs> nice. The first time we saw them in Seattle, we saw them in a theater called The Moor. Those flash pots would have just leveled that building that we saw them in before. So it was amazing. Anyway, so on the way out, I stopped the guy. I'm like, hey, not for nothing. But that was kind of bullshit. That you're interrupting paying customers' enjoyment of the show so you can tell them that they shouldn't be using their phone. Meanwhile, there's a million data points around this here. You've got circular digital signage that says not to vape. You have signs every 30 feet telling you to wear a mask. And not anywhere here is there any place that says no photography, no cameras. And the best you guys can do to let us know this is by interrupting the show that we paid for. Well, sir, I'm sorry that ruined your evening. But, you know, that's by demand of the band. You should be pissed at the band. The band knows how to reach me. They have my email address. If they wanted me to know that, they would have emailed me. They didn't. I'm hearing from you. And have we still seen a sign? No. We're just hearing that you have a piece of paper in your pocket that gives you show directions that you're supposed to tell everybody. Meanwhile, all around the theater, there are people everywhere using cameras. I know you're just doing your job, but that's a bullshit way to go about it. Damn. And like, he's Then got, he stabbed you. No, his buddy's like, there. well, sir, you know, this isn't his fault. I'm like, all right, but you guys figure out a better way, guys. And then we leave, and I'm just thinking, God, was I an asshole? <laughs> I turn to Ali, and I'm just like, did I embarrass you? I'm sorry. But, that, that, you know, if I had not said something, I would have been annoyed. You would have been chewing on it for a long time. I'm 200 feet away from them. It's not like I'm posting a video that's going to, like, steal money from Ghost because people go on YouTube and watch... It's literally a, hey, Ghost was cool. You should check them out when they're in your town. That's what would have gone up. Well, maybe your photos are just so freaking awesome. They knew you were a threat. And it's not a big deal, but it's just, you know, hey, there's a way to do it. Climate Pledge Arena. If you need to communicate that, communicate in advance and communicate it in the stadium so that people can see it before the music starts. Thank you. Yeah. pisses me off. You too, Ghost. Get your shit together. Ghost never told me. I don't have a problem with ghosts. No, they maybe they told the the guy who told you. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I have a problem with Barry in section. And what's funny is that it's a horror themed metal band. How many people that we know in Seattle are going to be at that show? You ask friends after the fact. Hey, did anybody hassle you about cameras? No. As a matter of fact, you know, somebody took my picture. <laughs> like, <fucking> really? <laughs> yeah, there was an usher who took a picture of me and my daughter. Really? You know, nobody said anything. No. Nobody that I've spoke to in any other section was told not to use a camera at the show. Yeah, you specifically. You're the threat, Steve. I felt singled out. I got to admit, in my section. And we were at the end of the row, so it was easy to get at us. But if you're in the middle of the section or on the floor, ah, fuck them. Don't need to take pictures. <laughs> anyway, you're the low-hanging fruit. That pisses me off, man. Well, enough of my bitch. Enough. Enough. Let's listen to a tune. All right, what are we going to listen to, Steve? This tune is also from At Home with Southern Culture on the Skids. The lead cut from their latest release, Call Me. Call me, call me. Won't you pick up the phone and call me? I'm all alone just sitting at home. Won't you pick up the phone and call? The weather is warm, but I'm filling out forms. Sights keep on crashing, the bad news keeps blasting, you know I can use some relief. So call me, call me, pick up the phone and call me.
Once again, that was Call Me from the release At Home with Southern Culture on the Skids. And joining us now are Rick and Mary from the band. How you guys doing? Hello. Howdy. We're doing good. Doing pretty good. I'm here in freaking Carolina. <laughs> cool, man. It snowed like every week, every Sunday. It snowed, I think, right? And that really pisses three me off. And that pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you don't wait for the end. That's awesome. Yeah, just jump right on. Jump right in. Get it it out of the way now. Let's rip that snow a new one. (laughs) I mean, every weekend it snowed, right? Yeah. Was there like a novelty season at first where you're like, let's make a snowman. Let's play in the snow. And then after a bit, it's just just, snow. Ah! Yeah. Well, yeah, snow turns to ice. And then ice turns to like, you know, I don't know, just a hospital bill. Anyway, but nobody knows what to do with it here, right? If even the threat of snow is on the news, there's no bread, there's no milk, right? Water, maybe, you know, and (laughs) and nobody can drive on it. Nobody goes out. Nobody goes anywhere, right? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we had just a lot of snows and it stuck around on that last one. That's the real pisser. Yeah. Is that it was cold for a whole like six days after that, right? And the snow just kind of stuck around. Yeah, Steve anyway. used to live in Michigan. Yeah. He's had his oh. fill of snow. He, that's why he moved. Yeah, when it, when oh, it yeah, snows yeah. on yeah, Mother's Day, that's too much for me. I, I've, I've had enough. Oh, <laughs> we, we played in Michigan one time 
for this guy that ran this really great record store called Flat, Black, and Circular. Mm-hmm. And we stayed at his house, and I remember that was September, and it snowed. <laughs> it did. It snowed in September. I was like, whoa. It was real pretty, though, because the leaves were still on the trees. <laughs> sure. I mean, you don't see that either down here, right? It's like snowing. The leaves are on the trees. What's up? Right. Your Remember? people are from Michigan, though, aren't you? I got a lot of people from Michigan here. Yeah, yeah, they like their skidoos, you know. They do. They like <laughs> and they get like. I remember my grandpa. Half his furniture had deer legs. <laughs> like the ottoman, it didn't have wooden legs. They replaced the, the legs on the ottoman with deer legs. They had fur on them and stuff. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How do you polish wood that's actually you know? Formerly a, on a deer, a regular furniture polish is not going to work on that. I would think. I, I guess oh no! You just no, dust no, no. the legs. I don't know. Do, well, I don't know. It's like whatever you clean suede with. <laughs> a little like, tiny comb. comb I don't it. know. You comb it. Yeah, you comb it out. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you from? In Michigan. Uh, Ann Arbor. My wife and I were back oh, there for five years. So a college town. Yeah, college town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all of my relatives live up by um, Port Huron and. Brown City, they live, are all up in the thumb. Okay. It's so flat. It's really good farmland. We used to go see Flat Track Racing in Bad Act, Michigan. What a cool <laughs> name for a town, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a good horror movie. It was. Yeah, it'd be a good dirt track date. <laughs> it would be a good, and I'm sure it was a few times. It was all dirt. It was good. Anyway, what kind of motorcycle racing you got up there? Uh, I have no idea. My uh, motorcycle racing game is, I, I'm almost completely ignorant. You guys had a really good motocross racer from up there in Washington. His name was Jim Pomeroy. And I think he was from Pulley Up, Washington. Does that sound right? Is there a uh, Pulley Up? Yeah, it's pronounced Puyallup. Pu- Puyallup. Puyallup, yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> now you sound like Sounds a like local. a wrestling move. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> anyway. I'm I'm getting off. <laughs> Wait, reel me in, reel me in. Come on, I'm on. The no, line. it's reel all right. Me. It's this is a free form conversation. We're, we're we can talk about your music, you know, if you yeah. want. Yeah, it's great to have a chance to chat with you. Uh, Gordon and I have both been listening to you. I think we both discovered you guys around when Dirt Track Date came out originally, and uh, sort of oh, been yeah. following you over the years. But I missed that you had done a pandemic album last year. And so I was like, oh, holy cow, I want to check this out. And Call Me is such a great tune. I immediately fell in love with the album. What was the writing process like? I'm assuming that you were kind of cordoned away like everybody else during this time. Oh, yeah. So the reason we made a record is we just needed a way to make some money. And, and we had the downtime because all the touring just stopped. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, we had two, we backed up two years worth of touring. So we just decided, well, let's make a record. And, we moved all the studio gear we needed into my living room mm-hmm. and we did the record in my living room sort of like you know a pandemic record should be done right <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> right and uh, call me was one of the first songs we did and i think we wrote that in maybe late march uh early april <laughs> if you're hearing a licking noise it's my dog <laughs> i think <laughs> Of the record, he's licking a chicken enchilada. That is my dog. I had a chicken enchilada earlier, and I must have some of it still on my hand. (laughs) It's all right. We once interviewed Lester T. Raw from the Pine Box Boys, and he had a chimichanga accident while we were interviewing him. So it it fits with the show. Yeah, I can get ugly, can't. But the, the Call Me 
we wrote on my front porch, basically, and it was just kind of, I had just been down to the grocery store trying to find stuff, right? But like toilet paper, paper towels, garlic, bananas, it was never there. But then a guy said, hey, are you Rick Miller? I said, yeah, I'm Rick Miller. You playing Southern Calls Us Kids, right? I said, yeah. And he was like the manager of the grocery store. So I had my inside game going. And so I said, I said, look, you got to text me when the truck with the garlic and the bananas come in. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so he did. He did. He texted me, man. And I was down there waiting for him, waiting for my bananas and my garlic. And, and, but yeah, most of the stuff in that song is just, you know, our daily, what we did during the pandemic, you know, what we were thinking. And that was really kind of the first song that we kind of kicked the whole thing off, right? Yeah. I mean, we'd always wanted to do, like, Mary had always wanted to sing Sugartown. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, we just started doing it. It was really fun, actually. And the whole thing about doing it in your living room was it was kind of laid back and relaxed and just kind of fun, you know? We'd just show up and kind of play and do it, you know, and just kind of write as we went. And um, I would just order a new dog toy from Amazon every week to keep the, uh, the dog from hitting the mic stand. If you listen to that headphones, you can probably hear him barking through I mean, probably half the record. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Another tune yeah. that I really dig is is Run Baby Run. I always like the songs where it sounds like Mary is singing back up to herself. Those are always awesome tunes. <laughs> like Nitty Gritty is another example of that that I just love. Thank you. Yeah, thank God for double tracking, right, Mary? <laughs> I, I love- is that like a throat singing trick that you can actually do that live? I thought you had a clone. <laughs> like the Lubin brothers. Well, oh, there are two of them, though. Yeah. I just have to get, get my powers of telepathy going. Your little mini-me in your throat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that song, it started out as a whole other song, right? It's one of those things where it started, oh, listen to this riff. I was thinking about it. They go, don't listen to him, you know, something like that. I said, but it really sounds good with just going, run, baby, run, man, run. And it was about the time that you just wanted to throw the door open and go run down the street naked, right? Yeah. Just screaming. And, well, maybe not naked, right? <laughs> maybe, Unencumbered. But Mary just sat down, and, she, and all of a sudden, she just hit that one where it goes, run, baby, run. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Boom. Like, oh, and I went, whoa, that's good. And uh, and basically, we wrote the song kind of around that little hook. In about 45 minutes. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. great. Just came together. Yeah. Man. I, I've um, got a question the- about a song, and it's it's not on the current record, but it's probably my all-time favorite song. i got to know the story behind your desert dessert food kink song, Camel Walk. <laughs> what? What in the hell? What is that all about? <laughs> well, it was kind of that happened on the road, like, like I don't know, many days in a road trip. We were in Mississippi, and we played we played in Hattiesburg, and we drove by this place called Hudson's Hudson's Salvage, and we went into Hudson's Salvage, and it had all kinds of stuff in it. It was all like return things and damage. Probably the closest thing you get to it would be like the, uh, what was the unclaimed baggage thrift store, right? right? Where there was just all kinds of stuff in there. Usually returns or something that had a small defect or factory seconds. This is before the, the internet and stuff. So I remember we bought 500 oatmeal pies. <laughs> <laughs> for really cheap. 
Little Debbie, <laughs> like, Little like, Debbie. Like, yeah, 15 bucks, right? A whole box of them. We put them in a thing because we were just kind of throwing them out. And I think we were just kind of working that song up. And we were in a hotel room in, uh, we were in a Motel 6. And I think one of the only channels they had was the Discovery Channel. <laughs> and there was a special on the, the pyramids. And I remember we were getting ready to go to the gig. And Mary was kind of uh, half-dressed. And she took a bite. She goes, I'm going to try one of these oatmeal pies. <laughs> and she was kind of dancing around while the camels were walking by the pyramids on the television and I was just laying there <laughs> and she took a bite put. but the reason those oatmeal pies were all in Hudson's is they'd been in an electrical fire so they all tasted like burning conduit <laughs> <It's sweet. laughs> and I, I don't know Mary made this horrible face and did a little duck and duck and dive like a camel and I don't know we just kind of came up with the words and that's kind of that was kind of the inspiration probably behind it if you really want to know <laughs> and then i guess we yeah. got rid of the rest of that tour we oh oh, oh yeah i could yeah i couldn't do it to him we just had to leave him on the side of the road <laughs> i think we gave it to him i don't know we just left it at a truck stop or something anyway but that's wow. sort of the thing sort of the thing to that but it's got kind of a funny but then it kind of took off on its own with the really exotic kind of stuff and remember we had the hardest time getting the bullwhip to work Remember? All right. We, we got the bullwhip. You can hear it in there. It's kind of down there, but it's like, you make me walk and it's snap. Yeah. Remember, we got a bullwhip. And making a bullwhip is really tough. Oh, I can imagine. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because you got to get the snap at the end of it, right? Yeah, you got to time it. <laughs> so you got to have somebody yeah. who's good enough with a bullwhip to get it close to the mic when they're snapping it? That's right. And studio time is not cheap, right? <laughs> 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 track and the clock ticking and i don't know anyway but we had a lot of fun we we made that record with uh here's another funny fact about that record or that song is we that song first came out on a ep that we did with zontar records from athens georgia and it was the santo swing no it was just it was just called diva de la santo okay, oh, okay. and Viva De La Santa, when it came out. And the guy that we did it with, we hadn't met before. His name was Mark Williams. And the guy who had the label said, hey, I want you to, we were playing, I remember we played in Johnson City the night before. And we drove all night to get back down to Charlotte. And we went into Reflection Studios and we were working with Mark Williams. And the producer on that, it was like Mark Williams and um, it was, uh, what's his name, from the Wackles? Jeff Walls. Jeff Walls. The late Jeff Walls, bless his heart. He helped co-produce that with Mark Williams, or he was really the producer, I think. Mark Williams was a, the engineer. And um, we did that song there, and I remember about two years later, maybe, we got signed to uh, Geffen, or DGC Records, and they wanted to hear some songs. I mean, they were not crazy about us, but we had two A&R guys that really loved us, and they got us a deal, and uh, Ray Farrell, Todd Sullivan, and... We had just put out Ditch Digging when we got signed, and they wanted like all these new songs. So we did. I, we remember we got we got a ten thousand dollar advance, and we gave each one of us a couple thousand bucks. Then we bought some recording gear, and we went into a gas station that we had that we were using an old bay for a studio, and we took that Tascam and and a little eight track uh, reel to reel, mm -hmm. and we did Soul City, Dirt Track Date, White Trash. Red Beans and Reverb, 
and Camelot. We did demos of all that stuff, wow. right? Yeah. And because we already had Camelot, right? But then we went in and they said that here, put him out. And then we went into the we went into to the studio and we needed a few more songs to flush out the record, but we just didn't have any more songs, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Mark was working with us because we were doing it at reflection. He said, "You know, we need a couple more songs. I really like that song we cut a couple of years ago called Camelock. Why don't we redo that and just put it on the record, right? It'll just be filler." Mm-hmm. So we said, "Yeah, sure, that was fun." So we recut the record at Mark's insistence, or we recut the song, and used it kind of just as total B-side filler, right? Because it's pretty buried in the record as far as Dirt Track Date goes. And so the record came out, and the most popular song to begin with was like Voodoo Cadillac, Soul City, stuff like that, quite well on Americana charts. And um, we had toured Europe and the United States, right, for, I don't know, almost a year, maybe nine months. We thought we were kind of done with it, and our record did pretty good. And then all of a sudden, we got a phone call from the the radio people at DGC, and they said, hey, this Camel Walk song is going to be a hit. You guys need to get (laughs) right? What? And we were like, what? What? That song? (laughs) And I guess. You know, back in those days, Modern Rock Radio, they had certain regions where they had DJs that would play new songs and they kind of gauged the reaction because in those small markets or these specific markets, they would decide to whether or not they're going to throw a bunch of money behind it and promote it and kind of what to do with it. And Camel Walk was one of those songs. He said he just picked it because the name interested him or something, and he played it. And then the, the switchboard lit up and it got so it was crazy popular. And that was in Tampa, Florida. Remember? So and Florida was the region yeah. where it really caught on first? Yeah. Yeah. But it was also where Dirt Track Date was pulled out of all the record stores for about a month. Really? Why was that? Be- because somebody realized that was a con- used condom on the cup. <laughs> <laughs> somebody realized. <laughs> oh, my God. It's not like you're hiding it. It right there. And, it wasn't really hidden. And a month later, the record got snuck back into the racks, right? Because somebody complained, a mother or something, right? <laughs> of course, that was back in the days of, like, Tipper DeGore and sure, all that sure. stuff. Yeah, right? MRC, yeah. Yeah, MRC stuff. So they were very sensitive about it. And it was some big chain down in Florida. They pulled all of it back. But then they got back because they put stickers over top of the condom. They <laughs> put... <laughs> <laughs> They put a protective condom yeah, over the condom. A, con- a condom condom. That's fantastic. It's <laughs> really meta. <laughs> yeah. Tell people that wedding band with a piece of wilted lettuce on it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but that also came from a true dirt track date. Because we, we took pictures for dirt track date with a buddy of mine. We went out on the road. He went on the road with us for about a week and a half. And we ended up going to a dirt track race. We had played Knoxville the night before, and we ended up going to a dirt track called the uh, Atomic Speedway in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, right? Where they Mm -hmm. invented part of the atomic bomb. And we were just walking around. And part of the photographs on the the album Dirt Track Date, matter of fact, the one on the cover, the other photograph on the cover was from that same session from the Atomic Speedway. And anyway, so we were walking around, we were trying to get some shots, and we were walking through the pit area, which was also kind of a camping area and stuff, and we were just walking around, and I looked down, and all of a sudden I saw a used condom that a tire had run over, right? So the the wet dirt had kind of left its impression in the condom, and the condom was stuck in the... 
Right. It's like, Ron, get over here. It. It's a dirt track date. This is a dirt track date. <laughs> oh, my God. That's and priceless. Then, and, yeah. And then, you know who did the artwork for that originally was Art Chantry from Up Your Way. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. I didn't know that. And, no. Yeah. And he, he got those photographs, and he put that condom on the cover. <laughs> and, oh, Geffen was like, they were... <laughs> I think a lot of the higher ups, it just went over their heads, right? But well, uh, it is pretty disgusting. But we got in a lot of trouble for some of the photographs in there because we found a book on uh, it was Martinsville Speedway, right? Yeah. In an old gas station. What was it? It was a pure gas station, right? On on two twenty. Yep. Yeah. Right, State Road two twenty uh-huh. up there in the mountains, in the hills of Virginia. We found an old book on an old dusty book in a gas station, and it was the history of Martinsville Speedway. Right, I right. think that's what yeah. it was. Right. And we took some of the pictures out of that, and oh, guess and they they just shit their pants on that one. It was like, well, we're getting sued. I go, we don't even know who took these pictures. They're not even credited in the book, right? <laughs> you know, it was like one of those books that you would kind of it was done uh, on a local publisher, right? It was sure, not sure. any. Yeah. Anyway, we ran into all kinds of trouble with the artwork on that. We also got kicked out of NASA right there in the <laughs> satellite, where, like where they do the space shuttle, right? Yeah. That album they kicked got you off the launch pad? Cape Canaveral. Cape Canaveral. We got kicked out of Cape Canaveral. We were supposed to play a party for the winner of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Right. They right? did a promotion for our record for with Space Ghost Network. Coast to Coast. Okay. Cartoon Network. And they had 50 winners, right? 50 families yep. from 50 states. Blown in from all over the Blown country. in from all over, Hawaii and Alaska included. And we were in the NASA Center. They were going to have a tour of Cape Canaveral. And then they were going to have a, a buffet dinner. And then they were going to be entertained by us. <laughs> okay. But some worked for the government found out that we said the word dick in Seoul City. <laughs> so they, they would not let us play on government property. We were already there. We were already there. So they're launching things into space that look like dicks. I just want to point that out. (laughs) Eating the the stratosphere, right? (laughs) Anyway, so they moved the show. They did the buffet. They did the tour, but they moved the show over to Cocoa Beach, like right in the middle of all the strip clubs, right? (laughs) 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 They bust all the kids and their parents there, right? So they got. It's always an upgrade, (laughs) right? It's bars and all other stuff. <laughs> like, oh, well, what you going to do? And it made the New York Times. Wow. It made the New York Times. Yeah, that... Fan kicked out an average. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds that like a... fantastic. Yeah. And, and an educational time for the kids, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, especially that you trip on the You get to see, bus. yeah, both Cape Canaveral and Strip Club in the same weekend. That's oh, a party. Yeah, man. That's right. <laughs> Tip your server. <laughs> Uh, anyway, but yeah, it was pretty funny. You know, and the other pictures on Dirt Track Date were pretty cool, too, because we took those at Junior Kimbrough's Juke Joint. Really? In Holly, Mississippi, yeah. The ones in the middle where we're all sitting at the table, remember that? Yeah. And we had to go find Junior to, to let us in. We had to go find him. We had to go find him in Holly Springs. And he was, uh, we found him, what, in, a, in like a a Lincoln Town car with two girls on each side of something. I don't know. I don't know. And he took us in there and opened it up, and we took a bunch of shots and stuff. We'd been there to a party before when uh, Junior was playing too, and uh, that was incredible. It was really like it was like stepping back in time, really, you know. But it was just one of the most exciting musical nights of my whole life. 
Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was his, incredible. His, his record label had a sale like last year, and I loaded up on a bunch of stuff. So uh, that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was amazing. I think it yeah. did it burn down. I don't know what happened to it. R.L. Burnside lived next door at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, I knew that they they were tight. Yeah, and like yeah, their families yeah. were in each other's bands, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Cedric, right? Yeah. Cedric's got his own solo career now. I remember he was a teenager, pretty much drumming in uh, RL's band too. Well, he played with, goat. Oh yeah, we played with RL in Melbourne, Australia, and it was their last gig, and they were flying home, and they were all ready to go home and stuff. And we had just gotten there. The opening act was a was an actual wrestling match. They set up. A, <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's so good. They had mass wrestlers, and then RL played, and then we played. And it was at the St. Kilda Hotel, wasn't it? St. Kilda Hotel. Anyway, it was great. RL was awesome. I don't know. He's just, I love his music. And he was a really, really nice guy, too. But they were all excited. They were going home. They were going to barbecue a goat, they said. It was, <laughs> I, he was, I think <laughs> a goat. They were going for a holiday or something. Anyway, they were all excited. It was great, too. <laughs> well, you know, so. going from the influences in you guys music of course the blues makes an appearance but surf as well is something that gord wanted to ask you about yeah you, oh, you know yeah. you do real americana music for sure what you call your wobbly americana but another truly american genre of music is surf where did that come from you're not exactly near you know malibu no we're not but i i lived in north carolina till i was about 12 and then I moved to California, and my okay. dad lived in Georgia for a while, Alabama, North Carolina, because my parents got divorced. But I was with my mom out on the uh, West Coast, and where I learned how to surf and stuff like that. And then I'd come back in the summer, and I worked. My dad had a mobile home factory, so I'd work building mobile homes in the summer when I was in high school and stuff. And I'd come back to California, so you know I was uh, I was kind of bi-coastal there. But that's where I got into surf music and stuff. And I remember going to see, I remember going to see Dick Dale when surf music was not popular, right? <laughs> and he was still wearing the Hawaiian shirts and shorts. And if I remember correctly, man, he came out with his Stratocaster in a surfboard case. <laughs> he opened it. <laughs> I remember great. correctly. It was something like that. But that was when he was with the Deltones and uh -huh. he had the horn section. Okay. Yeah. I saw him at Belly Up Tavern in Solana Beach, and it just blew my mind. That was so incredible, you know. And it was just like old guys there, you know. Maybe a few young people, or you know, but it was mostly just old old surfer dudes and stuff that, that knew his music already. Did they play Miserloo with the horns? Oh, yeah, with the horns, man. Oh, shit. He, That's amazing. He played the trumpet up for, I, I think he might have picked the trumpet up on that, too. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I remember I, I the girl I was with had a silver LeMay pantsuit on <laughs> and, she <laughs> and shook her butt like right in his face, right? While he was, <laughs> and he, he signed it at the end of the show. And it like, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's and cool my, that, my mom, you know, you, you guys can play like, that music, but that, that works for you. It just doesn't go the other way. You would not hear like Dave Allen of the Arrows playing Put Your Teeth Up on the Windowsill. It's a mono direction. That's because Dave Allen didn't have to go work on a mobile home factory every summer. <laughs> <laughs> In Henderson, North Carolina. <laughs> That's right. 
I got a lot of good material from. I really enjoyed that too. Actually, what a bunch of characters and stuff. I just I loved it. You know. Well, you, you seem to draw a lot of inspiration from your life, the food in your life, as well as other things in your life to uh, to put into your songs. One more song question. What's tripping at the Admiral Benbow? Is that the, oh, the hotel man. chain or Treasure Island? Yeah, hotel chain. It's all gone now. But yeah. we, we did an all-night 45 party there with the Mekons. In Memphis. Huh? In Memphis, yeah. And... Yeah. Uh, that was just that night. It was just kind of the memories, the, the instrumental memories of that night. So sort of the fog of the night. We played a little place called Barristers. Remember? That was Jerry Lee Lewis's. It was, they said it was. It used to be Jerry Lee Lewis's club. And uh, we played with the Mekons. And we played with the Mekons. And it was a tiny little place. Then we went and stayed at the Admiral Benbow, which I think was maybe on Union Avenue or Madison or some one of those main. It looked like there. a three-story dilapidated uh, Hojo, you know, Howard Johnson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, okay, sure. With a like parking underneath, you know, and then and then it went up three or four stories and Funny. stuff. And it had a picture of like an admiral on the front of it and stuff. And the rooms were cheap. And we partied all night there. Yeah, they had a 45, 45 um, record player. And we just, yeah. oh my God, I don't know what we were drinking, but whew. Well, <laughs> we, I, we, back in those days, we'd spend all of our spare time like just going to old record stores and thrift stores and music stores and and sometimes we'd fill the van up with so much booty, man. We'd have to like, we there was no place to sit. So we'd have to go send everything back a couple times on trips, right? Remember that? Yeah. Well, you collect amplifiers as well, right? So you must have been finding uh-huh. weird things at pawn shops and stuff like that, too, that you'd want to pick up. Oh, yeah. I was like the cat lady. I'm the cat lady. <laughs> if I amplifier been mistreated, I'll buy it, take it home, and spend way too much money getting it. You know, but that's kind of, that's my, that's my bag. But we found a lot of great records, and I don't know. It was just a lot of fun. Too much booty to sit. Sounds like it should be your next song. Yeah, right. <laughs> booty. That is a great song title, yeah. Just coming kind of full circle to something that happened recently. Uh, my daughter picked up the latest Stephen King novel for me for Christmas, and I'm reading through it. And who do I bump into in the pages of this Stephen King novel, Billy Summers, but Southern culture on the skids. And you aren't just mentioned like a character that listens to a song like often happens in a King novel. You guys are a salient plot point. That is the coolest fucking thing ever. Did you find out in advance or were you as surprised as we were as readers? No, we were as surprised as you. Now, we're familiar with Stephen King, of course. I mean, everybody's read his books and, and seen the movies made from his books, but he's a big music fan. He's a huge music fan, and he used to write some columns, too, for Entertainment Weekly and, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe some other periodicals. I don't know. And he picked a couple of our records. Yeah, he picked it. So we know he's a fan of the band. And people say, you know, he I guess he has a winter house down in Tampa, St. Pete or something. Oh, okay. And that he's at Skipper's Smokehouse, which is a really great club in Tampa. So that's a real it's like place. Gilligan's Island. <laughs> it is, yeah. right? Because it's like a little tiki hut stage and then it's all sand, right? And there's a few places with some coverings and stuff and then you can buy fish. It's like a fish camp, right? Okay. You have a fish buffet and you'd play. It was re- it's a really cool place. And um, But they say he used to come and see us there. Now, I have never seen him there. Mary is always looking for him. I always have, like, the big bag of merch behind the the merch table. I'm like, if you see 
him, give it to him. <laughs> I don't think he ever sticks around to the bitter end because it will bother him. Damn it. Yeah, that's why he Mary, shows up in disguise. Maybe. I, I, maybe. I mean, I know Mary's got a real uh, eye for the celebrity, though. So. It don't get off track. <laughs> <laughs> this has a track. This interview is all over the place. But yeah, no, we were we couldn't believe it when um, I guess someone had read the book and said, "You guys are in the book. You're in the new Stephen King book." And uh, like Rick said, we love playing skippers. It's one of our favorite clubs, and uh, so yeah, pretty tickled about the whole thing. Yeah, that was super cool. When I, when I bumped into that page, I was just grinning ear to ear because two of my favorite things. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's cool. And, and like I said, he, I guess uh, he tweeted out one time that, uh, you know, he was having a good afternoon just listening to some Southern culture on the skids. I was like, wow, you know. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, I got that book for Christmas, too. Yeah. <laughs> summer yeah oh okay <laughs> yeah. my sister gave it to me because my sister my sister like read it goes what's your band doing in his book <laughs> right like, like how'd that happen yeah. <laughs> anyway. yeah if you can you know perhaps get him to mention a certain podcast in his next book i don't know how much influence you have but. I, yeah, put a note in the merch bag when he comes to pick it up. <laughs> if you don't mind. Gord wants to be the villain in your next book. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. All righty. Well, uh, now that, that things seem to be seem to be winding down pandemic-wise, uh, what's next for Scott's? Do you guys have uh, any gigs lined up in the near future? Or is touring going to start happening? Or what's going on with you guys? Well, we are. We are. We we're not going on any long tours. Like we're not going to Texas this April, or uh, but we are going. We're going to start uh, next month doing some local shows. Okay. Not many. Just kind of warming up, and then uh, we're going to hit the road. Hopefully, fingers crossed, in May for a couple of weeks, going out to Colorado and back, and then we're uh, we're turning around and we're going to fly out to California for a couple of weeks out there in June. And then we've got a, uh, I think we have a surf uh, festival in August in Asbury Park. Ooh, that'd be fun. uh, Yeah, and then some pretty heavy touring in the fall. So I just hope. And you can uh, check out the tour dates at scott.com. Yeah. Or on our Southern Culture on the Skids Facebook page. Yeah, so so we're slowly, slowly getting back into the swing of things. But uh, I'm looking forward. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of one of the things I missed most, I, you know, as we're movie fans, obviously, we have a film festival, is going to the movies and going out to see live music. And now that things are yeah. starting to sh- slowly come back online, and I, I've been to one or two shows lately, and I'm looking forward to more. So I, I, I can't wait to see all, you know, because all of the touring stopped, so all of my favorite bands are going to come through here pretty soon, probably. And uh, it'll, it'll oh, be yeah. good to, to reconnect with all that great live music. Oh yeah, no, I can't wait. I'm. It's, it's it's been just too long, too long, too long. But yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, and you know, I'll, bands will be just. I think it'll just be nonstop party time. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's gonna be hard on my wallet. I think when uh, every single <laughs> band is touring at once. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I love the music. So. Well, so, the, the Roaring Twenties came after the pandemic of 1918, right? Yeah. Or the Spanish flu. Yeah, so, and that so. worked out well, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
up for 10 years, it was good, right? Or so, <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Nine years, eight years. Uh, anyway. Well, uh, thank you again for joining us on the show. I appreciate your time and, uh, you know, you guys chatting with us. And uh, as I promised, if you haven't said everything you have to say, last question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bass Show, what pisses you off, Rick and Mary? Snow. <laughs> okay, we're good. And we're out. Circle. There we go. <laughs> Old weather. High beans. <laughs> yeah. Where can our fans find your stuff? Well, you can find the, the vinyl and the CDs and whatever independent record store that you shop at. And then you can find um, all the digital stuff on... Um, at the Skid Mart. At the Skid Mart at so Scott's.com. Scott.com, S-C-O-T-S. You can find everything there, actually. You know, vinyl, CD, digital downloads, T-shirts, hats, toots. Yeah. And Bandcamp. For that snow weather, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Bandcamp. You can get it at Bandcamp, and uh, I mean, it's streaming, I think, on all the major platforms and stuff, so it's out there. Just take a look. Scott.com if you get if you get stuck. Right on. Right on. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. You we bet. appreciate so, it. So, uh, as we mentioned, uh, we're going to go out with a song here. Uh, what would you like us to play for our listeners? Mary, how about that noir-tinged? Oh, yeah, Night Driver. Here it is, folks. Night Driver from Southern Culture on the Skids.
right, once again, that was Night Driver from At Home with Southern Culture on the Skids. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Thank you again to Rick Miller and Mary Huff for joining us on the show. It was a pleasure to chat with you. And now uh, we move on to Gord's Weird Stuff. What's weird this week, Gord? Dude, I don't know if I can really follow that interview with anything that's nearly as good, so I'll try to keep it brief. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, we had a geomagnetic storm. Uh, I was not aware of this. You weren't you were just like following the geomagnetic storm weather that we have? It's when the, the sun reaches out and, and sort of kisses our atmosphere and it charges up the particles in our in our atmosphere and our magnetic field gets all wobbly and wonky. And Ultraman's jewel in his chest starts <laughs> in his chest again. Starts, blue, blue, blue. <laughs> yeah, all right. Fuck You're yeah, Ultraman. Get it. <laughs> Go. Get some sunlight. You got a big rubber monster to punch. That's right. Yeah, we had one of them, one of them there things. And uh, it really fucked up the, the most recent SpaceX Starlink satellite launch. They shot 49 satellites up there into... It attempted to put him into orbit, but Ultraman knocked 40 of them down. Like 40 of those 49 satellites are going to be re-entering our atmosphere, burning up, hopefully not landing on your head because the geomagnetic storm fucking brought them down. Wow. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Huh. You know, these things happen, but I mean... It's not like they happen without warning. I would I would think perhaps they should be a little bit more careful when you're shooting near 50 objects up into space that they're not going to get like sucked right back down the old gravity well and land on your front yard. Damn. But that's happening. Space that's my junk. weird stuff. I Spa- remember well, space it won't be junk. space junk though. It's going to be like on the ground junk. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy? I have it on good authority that at least one of those satellites was shot up from Cape Canaveral. The night that they had a Southern Culture on the Skids concert that got moved to a strip club. I don't think that's true, Steve. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. You might be wrong. <laughs> anyway, what are we doing, Steve? What's next weird. on this goddamn show? It's, it's not weird? I thought it was kind of weird. Why don't we listen to a weird tune? All right. You may have heard tell about this song. Yes. If we didn't play this song on the show, I think there would be... There'd be an uprising. There'd be pitchforks and torches right outside our studio. We're going to play Camel Walk, the aforementioned Camel Walk by Southern Culture on the Skids, Bootlegger's Choice from 2018. Honey, will you eat that snack cracker in your special outfit for me?
And this is Rick from Southern Culture on the Skids. And you're listening to The, the Bone, Bone Bat Show. <laughs> All right. Once again, that was Camel Walk from the 2018 Southern Culture on the Skids release, Bootlegger's Choice. And we followed that up with Mud Buggy, one of Gord's favorites from the 2013 release, Dig This. Joining us now for something completely different is a longtime friend of the show, of the film festival, director of Slashing and Slashing 2, and official Bone Bat Comedy of Horror selection, Fear Town USA, as well as the writer of Shakespeare's Shitstorm, Brandon Bassam. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Great to hear from you again. Oh, it's great to hear from you and the fact that you're... Uh, Starting to work on a new movie. I, I think that's fantastic. Uh, you're doing a little fundraising, right? Yeah, we're doing a GoFundMe for our new film. We're doing a uh, horror anthology this time. I've been wanting to do one for a while, and uh, we, uh, we've been trying to raise a little bit of money to, to help make it. Nice. So is this going to be a feature or like the Anum trailers compilation that we showed at a previous film festival? This is going to be feature length. It's going to be five segments of an anthology, but it'll be it'll it'll be feature length. Fantastic. Now I don't expect you to give too much away here, but when I think of Anim Films, I think of something that makes me cringe every single time I see one of your movies. There's always something that's extra fucked up out of your awesome brain. Uh, do you have plenty of surprises for comedy horror fans in this? Feature. We absolutely do. You know, it is my goal to always top whatever we did previously <laughs> and to get bigger screams and shocked reactions from the crowd than we did in Slashing 2. Uh, we're going to have to go big, but we are. We have some, some, great, some great things lined up. Fantastic. Where can our listeners support your effort? Well, um, it's uh, the name of our film is Bring on the Damned. We're raising funds on GoFundMe. Okay. Um, so if you search for Bring On The Damned on GoFundMe, you should find it. If you look on Instagram for Anim Films, or for me, Brandon Bass and Brandon B-L-O-L on Instagram, we've posted the link a bunch of times on both of those two spots on Instagram. Very cool. What else is going on in your world these days? You're a fairly creative fellow. I know you do some teaching. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, you've done some writing for Trauma. Uh, what else are you working on now? Well, I'm um, still, still teaching classes, teach screenwriting, and I teach uh, sketch comedy classes. One project I'm not allowed to talk about yet. Okay. Um, and then we are also uh, in the process of, or we're most of the way through the script for a sequel to Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD, the Trauma <laughs> film. Nice. So I'm working on that with Doug Sackman currently. We start filming our new movie, The Anthology, Bring on the Dam, next month is where we're going to start filming, um, hopefully, with whatever money we have. So hopefully we have enough to make it good. And then we're still, you know, uh, slashing the final beginning, uh, also known as slashing 2, and hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm are both playing theaters around the country currently. If you want to check local listings, I know we will be in Philly at the Philomoca, um, I believe – Later this month or next month, um, we'll be playing at a theater in Boston, I believe also uh, in March. And I think April will be at the Museum of the Movie and Image in New York Fantastic. with a shitstorm. Yeah. That's awesome, man. 
Glad so, to see you getting uh, tons of play around the nation. That's so much fun. We're trying. It's a shame we're having to do it during the pandemic when people are scared to go to movies still, but uh, but it is nice to be in theaters. Yeah, absolutely. So are you looking at a uh, DVD or Blu-ray release for Slashing 2? We will. We haven't started talking about it yet just because it was still trying to get as, get in as many theaters as possible. I know it's been a long process, long process getting it made. And then we started screenings earlier in 2021, mm-hmm. and we keeps getting you know people keep giving it runs, so little short runs, but it keeps popping up and getting requests. So we won't be putting the blur out for a little while. I just want to make sure we can get as many get in as many theaters as possible. But I estimate next year, if I had to probably 2023 we'll probably have it out where it's available yeah well you didn't expect that somebody was going to throw a pandemic in the middle of your film i I did not kind of puts a crimp in things you know Alrighty, man well uh, as you know here on the bone bat show we always like to ask all of our guests one final question yes brandon what pisses you off oh well (laughs) just one thing Oh, uh, well, honestly, right now, terrible movies has been pissing me off. And not in the fun, these are bad and an enjoyable way. In the kind of calculated, cynical, miserable way that so many, I'm talking about horror movies, low budget horror movies. Like all the ones you see on Hulu and Amazon Prime, like the Blumhouse exclusive ones, are just, just <laughs> dog shit. And not in a fun way, like a, like they gave money to a lunatic who did something. It's like this yeah. is just people that are soulless and have no no creativity, just churning out content to 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 fill uh, whatever money deal they've worked out with. I think Hulu and Amazon have both done these, and Shutter kind of has some of those too, but they don't they don't do nearly as many. Um, that's always infuriating. It's like, man, I know these are low budgets, but those are like they're massive budgets compared to what I work with. Like, give me half of that. I'd give you a movie that people would actually, you know, at least be uh, they at least they would remember it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they don't love it. They may hate it, but they'll remember why they hate it. Yeah, sure. Horror as a commodity, which is yeah. strange considering that everybody was inspired by the same, you know, insano passion projects, bootstraps plastic gore fake blood 80s stuff yeah <laughs> we all grew up with yeah how a lot of this stuff gets made it's kind of amazing but that that's probably the <laughs> the shortest one to complain about things that i'm angry about <laughs> <laughs> all right man well thanks again for jumping on with us this uh, show is going to go live and uh a couple of days and uh, we will try to get it in front of as many listeners as possible i appreciate it so much and again please bring on the damn five stories of damn soul there's something working on the on the tagline uh, <laughs> but it will have uh, a variety of wide variety of gore and shock and dirty jokes and just uh things you've never seen before and our opening story is uh saturday night fever as though it were done by brian de palma that's our goal for that one that sounds great man
right, we are back. Uh, once again, thanks to Brandon Bassam for joining us on the show to talk about his new feature, Bring on the Damned. And uh, following that, a couple more tunes. Another favorite of mine from 2018's Bootlegger's Choice from Southern Culture on the Skids, Eight Piece Box. And following that, to hit that country flavor a little bit, uh, the Scots cover of Is Anybody Going to San Antone from the 2020 release Kudzu Records Presents, a cover of the Charlie Pride classic. I hope you dig that one, Dad. So, dude, Multimedia Trio. Speaking of media, well, God, what are we doing? Aside from watching a bazillion and a half short films, I had I had time to watch... Uh, Reacher. And you know what? I didn't even know this was a thing. Really? Yes. How did, How did this, this escape me? you? Right. I've been reading Lee Child books forever. Yeah. <laughs> and I've even seen a couple of mediocre Tom Cruise movies. So I had right. no idea that there was a TV show coming. Well, have you watched any of the episodes? No, I just found out about it when I looked at the show notes. <laughs> oh my God, really? Oh, okay. No, I saw yeah. an ad like a week ago. But yeah, I, I have not looked into it at all. Oh, no, you saw an ad for Reacher Round. That was something else. Oh, uh, uh, no. Reacher. Yeah. Love it. it. I mean... Really? Way better. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, they were way more true to the book. The, no little Tom Cruise vehicle. This is, this is Reacher. He's the smartest guy in the room. He's the biggest guy in the room. Maybe he's a little... The actor's a little too pretty, but watch the whole series with my lovely wife. And um, the Reacher character, the actor, never missed an opportunity to take his shirt off, which I, I feel was much appreciated by the other people in the room. Uh, he's a he headbutts people just like the book. I like I, I thought they did a really good job with it, and I'm looking forward to another season of Reacher already. You nice. got to check this out, Steve. Oh, I'm excited. That's cool. Yeah. Because, yeah, I like uh, I like those novels. They've always been. It, so is the series a specific novel? Yeah, it's Killing Floor. It is. Okay, cool. Yeah, they, they updated it a little bit so it makes sense in times of, you know, cell phones. And I'm not going to give any plot points away to people that haven't read the book. So you should just watch it. They updated it. It's good. And I, I thought they just... They did a good job. I like the actor that plays Richard. Like I said, he's a little too pretty, but I think he he does the eye candy thing well. So kudos to you, Mr. Reacher. Nice. So, dude, you also watched uh, Peacemaker, right? Yes. I guess I'm just watching shows on TV with guys that have biceps that are bigger than my entire body. <laughs> yeah, Peacemaker. Loving it. That show We're is what? so fun. Oh, my God. We're on the second to last episode now? Is that I, what's going on? I don't on? know how long it's going. I think uh, episode six is the latest one I saw. Yeah, I don't know how many they are. It just—it seemed like a penultimate episode, the one that we just saw. Hollywood like short dicking people on seasons now. It used to be you'd get ten episodes in a season, right? Before that, it'd be thirteen. You get thirteen, then you get (laughs) ten. Now you're getting like seven or eight. Like Boba Fett's doing the same shit. I think that's ending after like seven episodes. COVID, maybe. I think a lot of this stuff is post-COVID, right? Or at least at least post-COVID protocols. So. They knew how to have masks on sets and stuff like that. Yeah, I would think that would be pretty easy for Boba Fett, given, you know. <laughs> right. Anyway, back to Peacemaker. So that show's totally fun. If you haven't seen it, I think when you see the opening credits, you will be endlessly charmed. 
I love the fact that the soundtrack is all like 80s metal, which is super fun, including there was including. an entire treatise on Hanoi Rocks, which is <laughs> What's that? Just the so best? cool. Not like, again, not just mentioned in passing. They played a couple of songs and discussed the band. Yeah. Billy, Billy Fields, wherever you are, I salute you, sir. I hope you've seen the episode. <laughs> I they hope put so. put an enormous smile on my face. Again, big silly laughs, incredible extreme violence. I was sort of nonplussed after seeing Suicide Squad. I thought it was okay, but I didn't love it. And I'm enjoying Peacemaker way more than I did that movie. Oh, the second Suicide Squad, I think, was so much fun. It was fun, but it was like, yeah, you know, I walked away from it. I I wasn't like clamoring. Oh, can't wait to see the next one of those. Oh, there's a Peacemaker show coming. Ah, all right, whatever. And then when I actually saw it, it's it's a blast. It's so much fun. Yeah. All right. So even if you were tepid in your response to the Suicide Squad, you got to watch Peacemaker. (laughs) So you're not watching Boba Fett, I take it. I'm not. How's Boba Fett, Steve? So Boba Fett is mixed. I get why people are griping about it, but being the age that we are, I remember when all the Boba Fett you got was like five minutes on a cartoon at Christmas and (laughs) like three minutes in one film. Like there wasn't very much Boba Fett to go around. That's true. I think that the cult of mystery surrounding Boba Fett has made people kind of unrealistic in their fucking expectations as to what... You, you can't have a show about Boba Fett and have him still be a mysterious badass. You have to explain something or else there's nothing to go on in the show. So, I don't know. That said, it went like half the season and then it jumped back into basically Mandalorian episodes, which are the shit. They've been totally fun. So, maybe that series was like a 5 or 6 out of 10 and now it's up to an 8. I don't know how they're going to end it. I hope they end it well. But, uh... Totally entertaining, and at least the last two episodes were really fun TV. And a lot of it feels like, though, that there's they're substituting good writing for fan service. You know, oh, mm. we'll give you this instead of that. I don't know. Anyway, though, you know, between Peacemaker and, and Boba Fett, if you want to impress me, Hollywood, you really want to get me excited about fan service, I want to see Grogu riding on fucking Eagly. Flying into battle, Battle of Five Rings style. That's what I want to see. You do <laughs> that, a badass. I'll be impressed. Fucking A. That would be awesome. He's swinging a little lightsaber around, killing forks. I don't know what. It would be great. <laughs> That's what I want to see. So anyway, Peacemaker better than Boba Fett, but uh, both watchable and enjoyable. And uh, I watched the final episode of the final season of The Expanse. Just... Great season. Uh, gr- great show. Start to finish. Loved the show. Loved it so much I'm now reading the book. Really? Uh, uh, the book series, yeah. It's like nine books in the series, right? Uh, there's a bunch. I don't know. I've just about finished the first one. Uh, oh. Leviathan Rising, I think it's How called. How is it? Is it well It's written? good. What do you think of the writing? It's cool because when you watch the series, you see these cool-ass space battles. You get to see the torpedoes. And how they're not just a dumb missile, that they're they're intelligent and, and things look cool. I, I really love the visual aspect of that series. But in the book, those space battles are told from the perspective of being inside the ship itself. So they don't see shit. 
but you get much more of what's going on inside the character's head. So I'm really getting the best of both worlds. I've already got the pictures in my mind, and now I, I get the the insight to the characters as well. Digging it. Digging it so far, and you should all watch The Expanse. Huh. All right. Uh, I, we watched the first episode, and uh, Julie really does not like The Expanse. <laughs> she, finds it, <laughs> she finds it completely boring. So. Wow. I kind of have to watch it, you know, when she's watching something else or figure it out. I'll catch up on it, but. You know, normally she's the smart one, too. I don't know what her problem is. Yeah, I, I don't know. So, you know, what? Well, one other thing that has been occupying some of my time lately, uh, I can't really go into it too far because it is an, uh, an extremely robust box set. But uh, there's a new box set out from Severn Films called All the Haunts Be Ours, and it is like the cinematic history of folk horror. So when you talk about full quarter, you know, if you're thinking of like Wicker Man or Witchfinder General, that type of thing would be like some of the base films. Kill List by Ben Wheatley is a good example. His also his Field in England is another one. And so this box set is mostly like 19 films I haven't seen before. I think I've only seen one of the 19 as well as a documentary about folk horror called Woodland's Dark and Days Bewitched, which is just a really interesting three-hour documentary about the genre that covers a lot of ground. There's stuff from all over the world. Italy, Japan, England, Australia, you name it. A ton of films from all around the world. And like each disc also comes with shorts that are related thematically. So it's just like a ton of stuff to watch. So I'm super excited to be digging into it, and uh, so far, uh, it's been really cool. Wow. That sounds like uh, you've got a lot of horror to watch, Steve. I do, yeah. I, I, I've got to be careful that I don't uh, blow too much time on that when I should be watching shorts for the film festival, but there you go. I will allow it. Okay. Oh, so is that all the non-film festival media that we are digging? I think it is. That's all I've got. Right on. Let's listen to a tune. Okay, uh, why don't we check out another one from Bootlegger's Choice 2018. This is Soul City.
shiny and you dig it as a big or you dig it as tiny. It don't matter if you win go straight, if you show up early and you're about to do the next. I'm director of The Slashening and Fear Town USA from Troma Films. Here to tell you to listen to The Bone Bat Show. All right. Once again, that was Soul City from Bootlegger's Choice 2018 Southern Culture on the Skids. And because I couldn't resist, I followed that up with another one from the same release, Nitty Gritty. Featuring Mary Huff on lead vocals. That is a great tune. Right Thank down. You again to uh, Rick and Mary for joining us on the show. Again, you can find their stuff at scots.com. 
Scots with one T, by the way. Yes, S C O T S. So you don't get into any lawn care products. What? Isn't Scott's Yard Builder? It's a lawn care product. Is it? I, I don't know. I don't have a lawn anymore. Oh, but you know about Reacher. <laughs> Reacher is more important to me than lawn care product. Thank you. Once again, I'd like to thank Rick and Mary of Southern Culture on the Skids for joining us on the show and sharing their amazing music with us. Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. It's also the home of the heavy half hour every once in a while. If you want to check that out, there's uh, 40-some episodes for your head-banging enjoyment. And you can find my stuff such as it is at MightyWombat.com. Cartoons just about every week. Random ass graphic art. And uh, links to cool stuff you can buy. T-shirts, posters, stickers, buttons. You know, that kind of thing. We have a Facebook page. You should go there to see our silliness. Is there anything else, Steve? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Bonehand over there. Uh... There's also a Bonebat Twitter feed and Facebook group where we often post information about the film festivals, bands we have featured on the show, sweet deals we stumble across, cool cartoons, awesome shorts that aren't right for our film festival but are right for you, all kinds of stuff. You should check it out. You should check it out. We're amazing. (laughs) We really are. Thank you for listening. If you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. Uh, Once again, don't forget to buy your tickets now for the 2022 Bonebat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. Ten hours of comedy horror goodness, shorts, features, and the Pine Box Boys live. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. Hollins and Hollins Mortuary Entertainment, a.k.a. Pine Box Boys, will be there live You know them, you love them, so get your tickets now. One final song tonight, Gord? Yeah, Steve. What's that final song? This will be another one from Bootlegger's Choice 2018. One of my favorite cuts from Southern Culture on the Skids. I hope you dig it as much as I do. 40 Miles to Vegas. Once again, this is Steve. And this is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
So what's the indigenous barbecue in Washington State? In Washington, uh, one of my favorites is called a 520 special. So it's pulled pork mm-hmm. with a hot link in the middle of it on a bun. Nice. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's wow. uh, that's my artery-clogging uh, favorite barbecue item in the area. Well, you know, we uh, it's not necessarily uh, uh, Washington, but I remember up in Vancouver, we had a Skokum burger. That's you ever had awesome. one of those? I have not had one of those, but I'm writing it down. I'm yeah, a huge and burger fan. Wasn't it so. a Skokum burger? Yeah, that was in Canada. With, in Canada with Nardwar. Nardwar, the human serviette. Are you yeah, I know of guy? him. I've, I've seen his interviews before. <laughs> yeah, we did, uh, we did, uh, um, we did an interview with him. We did an we interview with him. We got Skokum burgers. And, uh, and I, what le- was the, I think I leg wrestled him at one point. And did you really? <laughs> Skokum burgers, they, had a, they had a giant plate, right? Remember? And it was like it was like a smorgasbord. If you could eat it all, you got to keep the plate it came on, which was sort of nice. It was like a right. Remember? Right. Yeah. It came on a platter. I shouldn't say plate. It was more like a platter. <laughs> it was a trough. Oakenberg. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> a trough. Yeah, ceramic trough. But, that sounds uh, like and, an amazing and, uh, experience all around. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a very <laughs> cult- cultural afternoon. I would anyway. think so. Holy smokes. <laughs> 